My brain doesn't know what to do with an angry man in a crop top. <laughs> I don't have any previous training in life to deal with this. <laughs> well, I'm just doing my best to bring sanctification to your life. <laughs> so. Oh, man, I so need it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for being the agent to bring that about. everyone a few episodes ago that we had our collective coming up and that we were going to uh, be having a basketball game and so seeing that we are already past exponential we're already past our collective we're back home um the basketball game happened and i think we owe our listeners a report an update a stat box even about the Mm. game and so really this thing, I don't know how it, it turned into this, but it, it really has turned into Team Russ versus Team Tony on the basketball court. And let's just say it didn't work out so well for Team Russ. Yeah, no, it didn't. It's um it's it's sad, you know, when I think back on it and but, you know, as I do think back on it and I reflect in my sadness and my sorrows, I find myself just trying to remind, just remind me and other people in and around me that I have basically one knee. I'm five foot eight and I don't really play basketball. So it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You know what I mean? When you're like, yeah, dude, let's like square up on each other here on the court. So just kind of knowing that, like, it really helps me not deal with, like, the pity from from losing the game. Right, and that's exactly and, the attitude you take on the court, right? Yeah. That's, that's the posture you hold on the court. Yeah. It is, and, it, and it, keeps, it keeps Team Tony from being fueled with pride, you know, like they, like they accomplished something at the end of the day, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, totally. This conversation really reminds me of ones I have a lot with my 13-year-old. <laughs> where um he'll talk a, a big game talking a lot of smack and then when he yeah. loses and it's proven to be that he's not as awesome as he thinks he is right. he has all the reasons why you know what i'm saying like he didn't even try mm. that, you know what i'm saying like the other dudes are, are more of a try hard you know and so you just navigate some of those like real like relationships and conversations with immature kids it, it happens to it reminds me of what you just said. Yeah, I mean I'm sure it does. Kind of like like in these conversations, I find myself going, Wow, Tony takes pride in basketball games with small people and takes pride in how he's above his 13-year-old son and is so much wiser than he is. Yeah. No. Sorry, dude. Well, the truth of the matter is that we played four games. Um, 
Ryan was on my team for two of the wins. Then he, then he switched over because the teams weren't fair. Russ called in extra help from the outside, called in Malik. And Malik brought some, Malik brought some energy, but we had Ramon, dude. And Ramon, Ramon was the MVP of the last couple games, uh, in my opinion, even though I could not miss when Russ was on me. That was the key to me making shots. I wasn't <laughs> making shots, any other shots. But as yeah. soon as Russ came on me, I started hitting. And we, oh, yeah. won, we won four out of five, three out of five. I forget what exactly it was. But the Southerner, not to be outdone, had his moment in the sun. And Russ, the floor is yours, man. The microphone is yours, buddy. No, man, I, I don't. I don't need to gloat, dude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but if it must be said, while we're on this call right now, <laughs> there was this moment where we did find a pretty glorious indoor um, go kart track. Like the kind where you have to wear like professional racing helmets, dude. Get harnessed in. Like these things are moving. So yeah, we we were able to to go in there, man. And I was able to let some people intentionally pass me in line so I could start at the back of the line. <laughs> and said, now this is where Southerners shine. So yeah, yeah man, we were able to race, and uh, I, I find myself fighting back, working <laughs> through the crowd. And then there at the end stands this Tony Sorcy who started at the front doing his best to keep everyone behind him. And I was like, yeah, right, dude. Ain't no way. Dude, I tracked that dude second. down. And at the last second, yeah, you, came, you took the corner on me and you, you won. Hey, man. I had to work through the pack, dude, to get up there. Yeah. You faced some adversity. Yeah. Speaking of working through the pack. I was in second trying to make a move on Tony, and somebody came up and straight T-boned me. Well, yeah. there's a certain Michigan friend that had something to do with that. Yeah, the T-bone incident, Ryan, you have to blame on the Northerners trying to get on the racetrack. <laughs> and uh, I clearly just and nicely spun you out of the way so I could move <laughs> on by. And then this other guy came up from behind me with a big grin on his face with zero clue as to what a break is and just plowed right into me, busted my lip, gave me whiplash for like a week. I T-bone you. And of course I had to keep him off of me as I tracked down Tony and won this race. Yeah. And you know what, man, it was, it, I'm glad, I'm glad you won. So congratulations to you, Russ, for sure. Fantastic yeah. display of driving. Yeah. It worked out, man. Yeah. So Amen to basketball games. Amen to racing. Amen to competition and laughter. And amen to the all the sin it just reveals in your life <laughs> the whole time. It's so true, man. It's so true. So just give you a little bit of framework where we're going to be going today. We're going to be in the book of Galatians. So you guys want to kick it off here where you want to go? Galatians 3? Yeah. Yeah, jump in. Jump in. All right. So Galatians has been a really cool case study for us as we think about this idea of um, progress, sanctification, fruit bearing, especially as it relates to good news um, and the work of the spirit in our lives. Last time we, we had a pretty in-depth conversation on in John 15. 
Galatians is really an extension of that. Um, and I think it really, it presses on this idea of, um, <clears throat> I think that we think that any kind of effort at all, um, whether to be like obey, please God, or love others, um, no matter what it is, is just good and it has value and it's to be celebrated. Um, because one of the big shocks of the New Testament is when Jesus comes, he doesn't call all these like broken sinners who are just breaking commandments and irreligious uh, to repentance while teaming up with all the good guys who are keeping the commandments. The big shock is that Jesus has saved some of his harshest words and cutting criticisms and like just fantastic one-liners for the religious, for those who are spotless, right? According to the law. And good news um, has everything to do with not only are the ways in our lives that we are not obeying God, not loving God, not loving neighbor, um, breaking commandments. Um, it has everything to do with the reasons why we keep the commandments and try to love our neighbors and try to do good. And so the conversation is really nuanced. And that's why we take time to just pause and, and dive into some of those nuances. And while we were at the collective, uh, somebody brought up the quote from Dallas Willard that says, grace is opposed to earning, not opposed to effort. And while on the, on the surface, I like that quote, but I, th yeah. I think it lacks a little nuance because not all effort is in harmony with grace. And I think Galatians is the perfect case study for that because here you have a community who um, really saw, had an experience in the gospel as Paul came to them, not on purpose, but on accident. He was sick and ended up in the region of Galatia. They cared for him. He preached good news. Um, they experienced um, God's love in the preaching of the cross and the sharing of this good news. And the church was formed. And as Paul moved on, Later on, men from James's church in Jerusalem came down and were saying, yeah, Jesus is good. That's great. But we have to keep, the, remember the Mosaic law too. It's a mixture between who Jesus is and what he did and also your, your effort to, to keep the law. And Paul writes back and hears these things. And Paul's not happy at all. Paul's very frustrated. In fact, just to give you an example, in 1 Corinthians, which we know, classic 1 Corinthians, everyone's like, man, Paul, every chapter, he's correcting them, all these issues, all these problems. Paul, in, in Corinthians, yes, he takes time to just say, hello, how you doing, right? Nice words, good introduction. In Galatians, he gets right to it. He goes, I'm astonished you guys are deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which there's really not another gospel, but some of you are distorting. Mm -hmm the gospel of Christ and you're believing error. It's almost like the gospel is that issue. Good news is at stake. And Paul's just, he's he's really frustrated. He wants to dive in right away. And so these Galatians, when you get into chapter three, they, Paul says of them, you began in the spirit, but now you're trying to be perfected in the flesh. So they were showing some effort, right? Which Willard says grace isn't a effort. But it seems like, according to Galatians 3, their effort and the way it was aimed is opposed to grace because Paul is really kind of taking issue with it. Yeah, these, this isn't a, 
this isn't a people that have that have grabbed onto the reality of the resurrection. It's not that they they heard about Jesus's right that the Messiah came and it it was his life for their life and his death is their death and and now they live and dwell in relationship with God in and through his resurrection. It's not it's not a people who heard that and went, "Oh, cool. Um yeah, all right. Amen. I believe. Done. We're going to, you know, go go live in just total debauchery, right? It, it's not that. It's actually the opposite of that. It's the people that heard that and then somehow sort of grab it onto the, oh, okay, well, cool. Well, then let's make sure we do right blank mm. to prove that we believe this. Or let's do blank to to make God happy. and Or let's do blank, you know, for to, to show the world that, that he's God. And, and all of a sudden, there's this, this whole focus, it seems, really turns from from the work of the Messiah and who they are in him and the rest that's found in him so they can begin to live this joyful, dependent life in the God that's made them. And instead it gets turned into, all right, now let's get our bootstraps pulled up and let's run in this thing. And so I agree with you, Tony, that, that what we see here is that there is an effort that's going on and it seems to be aimed at good things, things that we would all say are, are right and would add value to our lives and to the world. And Paul definitely makes a case here that that it is in opposition because of what it is. It's not it's not because it's in opposition because of what they're doing. It's it's almost as, as if it's in opposition because of why they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, and he calls them foolish. He says, "You're yeah. being foolish. Who's bewitched you? I like who's tricked you? Who deceived you? Mm-hmm. Um, it was before your eyes that Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified. Like I preached the good news to you, like vividly, almost as if you were there. Like you saw Jesus in your place, substitution, replacement, right? Then he goes, let me ask you this, which I, I, I love that. It's like, so it's so biting and so sarcastic, right? Let me ask you, let me ask you this. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish having begun by the spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? And for Paul, this is just this huge launching pad to talk about like the law and the and gospel and how really they're like oil and water mm. <clears throat> in a certain sense. Like we know like we, we need law and gospel together right. because we would, ne- we would have no need for the good news if it were not for law. But in terms of an approach like moving forward and trying to gain progress and growth and, and trying to just like climb the ladder of fruitfulness and and sanctification the law really is of no value at all paul makes the argument in galatians that it's really just the work of his spirit and the fruit that he bears which echoes back to john 15 right fruit of the spirit bearing fruit in the spirit but he makes two good arguments in galatians right off the bat and russ i know you can speak to one pretty well which is that the promise came before the law the covenant came before the law, but the one that he brings up in 3.10 is for all who rely on works of the law are under a curse for it is written, curse be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Paul's saying, listen, if you want to move away from solely dependent upon grace and the work of Jesus on your behalf, you do understand that all you're left with is law. And here's what the law demands. 100% perfection across the board. From the day Every, you were born. <laughs> Every law, every law, 
in thought, word, deed, intention, action, follow through. I'm trying to think of some other thing I can add in here because it literally, it, it demands this pervasive, thorough, complete and total obedience and perfection. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's the, it's, there's something in us for some reason, myself included, that just lose, loses sight of this. It's this idea of a holy, right, perfect righteous God who's definitely made us and loves us. And we all know the story of the garden where everything breaks down. And of course there's people that want to blame Adam and Eve and how they would have done it different. But then we're all reminded of all the things that we know to do and not do. And yet we choose otherwise. So we're no different. We're in the same camp. And so we know this bend that's in us and, and we know this holy and righteous God that that's made us. And according to what he's declared, that's what's needed to dwell in relationship with him to live in his presence, to be with him forever, to be part of him, his family. And the beauty of the gospel is that he's done all that's needed to dwell with him. But what I think for the Galatians and myself and others that I find around me constantly is it's almost as if we forget that. And so the law becomes like this. Yeah, yeah, but we got to have this other thing too that we got to start doing, you know, as if if we got a 90, you know what I mean, on the test, it would count. It would count. Or we're like, well, what if God grades on a curve, you know, and throws Billy Graham and Mother Teresa in there? I mean, that'll, that'll up all our scores. Well, let's say he does, and we all hit 99. Guess what? It's still not perfection. Yeah. And so I think there's something in us that forgets that, that God establishes a relationship with people. We see this back in right, the Old Testament. He establishes a covenant, right? I love like all the stuff that's in Romans that speaks to this, and and, and how that covenant is not voided because of what we've done, because the covenant was made by him and kept on his end, which counts for our end. And you see this God beginning of relationship, you know, with Moses. And it's after the relationship's established that he gives the law. And he says, okay, guys, here's this picture of what harmony with me and others looks like. This is a good thing. But the thing that I think we forget is he never does he take away this fact that it's perfection, holiness, righteousness that's needed to live and dwell with him. And never does he say, hey, you can really get it together. You could climb the ladder and like dwell with me. Instead, the whole story of the New Testament is, is just constantly pointing us to the, our need for a savior and what he will be like and the one who's coming. And then everything in the New Testament is all the reflection on him who came and fulfilled all that's needed so that we could dwell with him. It's the most glorious news this world will ever hear or ever know. And somehow we're like, oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. Which, but if I get a 90 and it's like, why is that? Why is that even a conversation right now? And so I, I think some of the verses that come to mind is where we see in the new, like in the scriptures, the law in Romans, it says was given for transgression. Hmm. Why do we take a law that God gave to show us one, right? He, he shows us harmony in it, but he literally says, I gave this to add transgression. And we go, oh, no, this is my to-do list. Or in Second Corinthians, I love the way Paul phrases it. It's a ministry of death and a ministry of condemnation. Amen. So here we have this picture of a God going, here's this law to add transgression, to, to bring us to our knees, to crush us, to show us who he is, right, and what's needed. It's this ministry of death, as you just said, that Paul speaks to. 
it's a good thing. It's a ministry, but it's a ministry of death. And we take something that's the ministry of death and, and we try to find life in it. It doesn't make any sense. And so you have this, and so of course we get into some of the passages that we talked about, like in Romans 8, 1, even in our last podcast, like there's no condemnation now for those that are in Christ Jesus. You live and dwell holy in me because of the holiness of my son. Now let's walk together. Hmm. And it's like, there's, there's these realities that have, that have been made known. And I'm sort of looking at that myself included and going, why are we all so obsessed with the do's and don'ts? When he says, guys, this picture of all the dues was given for transgression. It's a ministry of death. Yeah. There's no condemnation for you. Why are you so obsessed with all the things that you should and shouldn't be doing and how well you're doing in that? Yeah. Paul says the same thing in (laughs) Colossians 3. You know, why are you worrying about like, don't don't handle this. Don't touch this. Don't do this. Don't eat this. Don't drink this. Maybe we should do this festival. Maybe we should not do this festival. And it's just like. Jesus came to bring freedom, right? Galatians 5.1. Yes, yeah, so Paul's love, looking at. Right. I love Galatians 5.1 because it's like, for the purpose of freedom, Christ has set you free. Yeah, for freedom. Think about that. Mm-hmm. For freedom. <laughs> Back to John 15, and we talked about uh, in our last episode, right? Um, for your joy, I've done this. For freedom, I've done this. All those festivals, all those laws, all those things that you're looking to, they were all pointing you, driving you to the Messiah, to the Savior, right, that you need. And we're, I think what Paul's getting at in Galatians, and we could definitely see this in our own context today, we're taking something that was meant to bring us to our knees, something that was, that was meant to, to reveal our death, and we're trying, we're literally squeezing everything we can out of it in hopes to find life. Yeah, And so now there's all these conversations of the Christian life is like something you progress in or you move forward in, or are you moving forward in the Christian life or are you moving backwards? It's like, if you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just kind of looking at that going, if I live and dwell in the perfect son, please tell me where I could move anywhere without him. Hmm. When have I ever existed outside of him? Like the, the whole question of why in this thing is just so perplexing to me. But I guess at the core of it is, is just that it's just probably the, just the love of, a, of, a, of a, some sense of security that I think we think we can try to create, some measure of a control that we can try to obtain in our lives hmm. um, rather than just throw ourselves right on yeah. the mercy of God and just rest in, in him and whom we dwell. Which is why Jesus doesn't say like, hey, fix yourself or get it together or believe in yourself. What's he say? Deny yourself. Admit your death and find life. Try to, try to, try to believe in yourself and make it all happen. It only leads to death. Yeah, I think um, for me, like just in my context, the thing that I see more often than people like trying to keep the law in order to gain that security is people try to keep the law because they think there's some like extra blessing on top of it right Mm. like they're not worried about you know am i in or am i out but it's like oh if i'll just obey these laws if i just do what i'm supposed to do and don't do what i'm not supposed to do like my life will get better right there's some other blessing that that god is holding back on right like he gave his son you know but there's still something more right 
Mm, and, it, and if yeah. we'll just perform, we can get that extra little bit of blessing on us. Yeah. And I don't think we should discount the, the place and the goodness of uh, what Jonathan Edwards referred to as a common virtue. Like there's a, like in common virtue, right? Like in just, like just doing good and avoiding evil. Um, like when we get angry, don't bend your laptop computer over your knee in your anger. That's going to probably save you 1200 bucks. Yes. I have heard about someone who did that. once. <laughs> I have too heard a story about someone who did that and they may or may not be on this podcast right now. So there's some benefit to a common, a common virtue, right? Mm. But I think it's when we take this common, common virtue and we think that somehow just kind of like basic everyday, just kind of common virtue. And we equate it to fruit bearing. Mm. We equate it to like the work of like the work of, of, of God. And if yeah. anything in Galatians, we see, cause I, I get this pushback all the time. They're like, Oh, Tony, like in Galatians, like they're just talking about like salvation. Like they were really struggling with, with Jesus's is enough for salvation. It's like, no, 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 not at not, all. Not at no. all. It's the beliefs they're carrying as they're, as they're moving forward. That's why Paul says things like you began so well, right? right. Who, he said, even says later on, he goes, you were running so well, who hindered you? Yeah. And it's these beliefs that they're carrying as they're trying to like walk, right? As yep. disciples. Yeah. He, I mean, Paul, in the very you know, book that we're talking about, addresses them as a people that have been born, who are alive, who dwell, who live perfectly right now in the spirit but yet in their unbelief are trying to perfect themselves in the flesh, in the to-do list. And I think what we, what we find is that it, we're by no means removing, right? Like that, which is good. And that you could walk in that right where there's harmony found. These are all good things. The Lord is definitely about them. Amen. Um, but again, I think what Paul's driving at here is just the why, the why we're doing it, the why we're obsessed with it. Because at that, at the core of that why is is why we take a detour from the very life that we've been given, and 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 we turn it into to something else. We turn it into something that starts to exhaust us, and we turn it into something that we pass on to others that eventually will exhaust them. Yeah, it's crushing. There's, and if you're yeah, if you're listening and wondering like, man, so is this like your soapbox? Is this the thing that you guys just like want to like just nitpick at and like just be right about? And, and you know, like what is, what is the purpose and one of the point, what is the point of this? I think as a network for those who have a heart for those uninterested in the church, that there is deep inside of us um, a very real um, we're, we're prone to start drifting into right-handed power. Yep. Not only do we want to fix ourselves, we want to fix those who are coming around us. And if we're not careful in an effort to really want not only ourselves to get it, but those around us to get it and be good and be healthy and be mature and be fully devoted followers of Christ, because we think somehow at the end of our days, we need to in our hands present a spotless bride to Jesus right. on judgment day, as if that's a work of ours anyways. Yeah. Um, what we can do is we can bring in a lot of anxiety. We can bring in a lot of pressure. We can bring in a lot of law and performance and progress conversation um, that really begins to undo the very good news 
that drew broken people to a God that has boundless love for them in the first place. Right. And if, if you're, so if you're wondering, do why, why do you guys, why do you guys talk about this so much? That's why. Yeah. That's why, because it's the re it's most of the reason why people don't want anything to do with the church in the first place is because they came right with a friend to a Bible study and all their brokenness and all their just frustration and in all their inactivity and all the times they tried and all the times that they failed and they hear some gal up at the front saying, if you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards. And right. they look at their friend and say, this is why I haven't been doing this for years because I can't do it. I can't play the game. I can't do it. Well, I've tried four or five times. I've always ended up in just being just not good enough. Can't, can't get the discipline thing down. Right. And we perpetuate this idea that God is a God of perform and act right. Right. Which is the antithesis of all that he's done and declared in his son. Yes. And so something that could be very joyous right now, especially in a culture in which we live where progress and performance is king, where everyone and their mother is doing everything they can to curate their image and try to find value and worth within it. And all the coaches and all the resources in the in the ten billion dollar self help industry that's out there. Which, by the way, if it worked, if it worked, <laughs> if you could perfect your flesh with disciplines, right, that that industry would cease to exist. But it doesn't. It just grows. Such a good point. And so you find it right, like it's outside and it's also inside, right? That's that's you know the conversation of the church and everyone is basically just dying in this whole project of self. And in the midst of this is this glorious news of a God that's done all that's needed to live and dwell within him that allows you to be honest, that allows you to be humble, that allows you to be transparent and vulnerable with people so you can pass on the good news of the one in the resurrection business rather than pass on some, you know, measly effort of yours in hopes that maybe they can adopt and maybe get it together as well. Hmm. And man, that's good news for us. And that's good news for everybody listening right now. Amen. And that's good news for every person who's sitting by you at work or in your, lives beside you in your neighborhood. And uh, our hope is that we could find some real rest in this glorious news and begin to walk in it. And that's what we'll get into next, pass it right? On to others. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in. Um, we're going to be continuing this conversation. Um, we're going to be dabbling in Galatians 5 a little bit more next conversation. Um, so looking forward to having you back. Peace. Peace. Thank you.